Mark, Eldership team, thank you for the invitation to be here together celebrating Life Change's 21st birthday, a mega milestone. And it's just such a joy and a privilege just to look over you as a community, a family, and to see the new faces, to see the old faces, the weather-beaten by life faces. We've all got a little older, a few more wrinkles, etc. However, we still faithfully have our eyes on Him and following Him with all of our hearts. Mark Candace, it's so cool to see the way you've taken life changes from glory to glory. It is so wonderful to come in and just see what God is doing in and around and the way you've sown sights. Well done, Mark. Well done, eldership team. It's such a joy to see life changes going from strength to strength, glory to glory. And I think there's a lot more still to happen. So much more to still happen. You know, it's so, it's, it's just, just coming here, I just feel totally at home. And just to see the times of worship, the songs, Christ-centered, wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Just to let you know, and briefly, um, Shirley and I, for the last three years, based in Durban, traveling to various different churches, ministering. Um, our oldest daughter, Carla, who's 32 plus, somewhere around there, time flies, with her hubby, Brad. They are living or in Bethel School of Ministry, finishing off their second year. And Laurel and her husband, Nick, are teachers in Cambodia. And we've just come back from a, a two-month trip there, serving, helping there in Cambodia. <clears throat> and don't worry about the little cough I've got, okay? <laughs> the Minister of Health gave me the all clear. <laughs> And we, you laugh, we were in the city when the majority are Chinese, and that's when the coronavirus broke out. So we were in lockdown, and we had to stay in a little one-bedroom place with Laurel and Nick and wear masks, and we weren't allowed to go out, and it was, was, was really challenging and stretching, but equally exciting. Because we still said we were still going gather, to gather together as Christians and meet and pray and encourage and strengthen one another. And so that was super cool. Yes, and there was that week, there was a Muslim lady, a teacher, who gave her heart to Christ and was so lovely. And we said, we're still going to baptize you. We went down to the ocean and baptized her in the sea. But it was lovely and quiet. It was a ghost town. It was so cool. We were still going to go. And so we had a wonderful time. We could tell you many, many stories there. But Thursday night, um, I was invited to just hang and be together with the elders and I attend a number of eldership meetings, and I've got a number of questions, but the primary question that I have at eldership meetings is, is the church growing by the lost coming to Christ? Is the church growing by people being translated out of darkness into light? Or is it transfer growth? And I was so excited to hear on Thursday night how many of you have come to faith recently and are following Jesus with all of your heart. I slept well that night, Mark. I slept well that night, because that's not the story of many churches, sadly to say, and that's where we want to serve and help, that we be a church that exists for the yet to believe. We're a church 
that aim at reaching those that are far from Him, that word of encouragement, those that are the coin that's, that's been lost and full of dust and discarded. Jesus is after you and He's pursuing you. I'm aware this morning <clears throat> that the theme that you as a community and as a church, is that, have I got five minutes left or what's that? Okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I was going to say, I'll, my watch broke on Friday. I take it as a prophetic sign that we're not going to be governed by time but by eternity. <laughs> I'm aware that the theme of life changes for this year is John 10.10, 10, where Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and life more abundantly. The thief comes to destroy, steal, and kill. We've all, ex all experienced his workings and parts and measures, but I want to focus how Jesus, that abundant life that he's given to us, life in quality and quantity is not just for us, but for others. Not just for us, but for others. I think the time is coming where we go beyond, Lord, fill me, but Lord, fill me to overflow. That it's the overflow that influences and impacts other people. If you want to put a title to this morning's message, it's the first time I'm preaching. It is, how can we bring life to the city in which God has purposed and destined us to live? How can we bring His life to the city of Cape Town? I was reflecting on, in the book of Acts, and you remember Peter's great preach. Uh, after Pentecost, he stood up, and I love it in verse 15 of Acts chapter 3, he looked at the religious leaders eye to eye with burning passion in his eyes, and he said to them, you killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We have life because we are connected to Jesus, who is the author of life. I love in Acts 17, where Paul preaches in Mars Hill, he says that he himself gives life and breath to every living creature. The very breath that you're breathing is because of Him. And I want to urge you that that breath that He's given to you, give it back to Him in wholehearted service and obedience to Him. How do we begin to do that? The life that He's given to us is not just for us. It's on a journey through us to somebody else. I want to repeat that again because it's so important. The life that He's given to us, and we are grateful, eternally grateful for His eternal life, abundant life, resurrection life within us, but it's on a journey through us to somebody else. I remember years ago is when we were, I'm trying to figure it out, it's about 17 years ago when we built this facility, and I remember so excited as it opened up, and we had a, a pilot, a helicopter pilot in our congregation, Willy Berger. I don't know if they're still here or they've moved on. Doha, they're in Doha, wow. And I remember he flew over and he was taking pictures of the building, and he was showing us the pictures, and we were so excited that we've made our mark in table view. And I was so excited about it. I remember somebody came and said, hey, Wally, look, we're on Google Maps. And as you know, I'm, I'm digitally challenged. So when I saw that, I thought, we've arrived. It's so cool. And I sensed Jesus say to me, Wally, I don't ever want life changes to be a landing strip, but a launching pad into the city. 
if we are going to just settle to be a, a, a landing strip and not a launching pad, what happens then, we become a church in the city, but not a church for the city. There's a mega difference of just being a church in the city, but not a church for the city. God wants us to be a church that will transform the city and the community and the suburbs in which we live. Now, you might say, well, Willie, that's a tall call. That's a great order. I want to remind you of Matthew chapter 5, where Jesus said, describing the church, he said that the church is a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. The church is a city within a city to bring transformation. We are translated out of darkness into light, into Christ, but then our lives need to be transformed into His image and likeness. Now, you might say, well, how do we go about transforming a city? How do we become the people that bring His life to the city? Can I say to you, Jesus had great compassion and was moved when He saw the crowds, the Bible says. But He was equally moved with compassion towards the individuals. And as you study the Gospels, and I live in the Gospels, it's one life at a time. One changed life changes many. You might say, well, Wally, where's that? Can I tell you the woman at the well? Jesus went on a mega detour to reach that woman at the well. But if you look at that one life, she changed a village. So the one life you touch, you change, through His life flowing through you, changes many. If you look at the demon-possessed man of the Gadareans, Jesus took His disciples on a boat trip where they thought they were going to drown. Their lives were at risk. They thought they'd had it, that it was over. What was that purpose? Was to reach that man if you study his life, he became an evangelist to the region of the Cappadocia where there were 10 cities. See, the one changes the many. Zacchaeus, Jesus stopped and paused under a tree to reach him because he was going to reach his family and his peers because he was influential. The book of Acts, Philip was obedient to the Holy Spirit's prompting to engage with the Ethiopian eunuch who happened to be the treasurer of Ethiopia. And that one life brought the gospel to a nation. So I want to say to you this morning is don't ever underestimate we change a city one life at a time, and the one changes the many. See, in Bible times, Jerusalem was the center of all Jewish culture and worship. It was the temple. It was Jerusalem. And everybody was to come to Jerusalem. There were psalms written of their journey towards Jerusalem where they were to worship God. There was prior Pentecost. After Pentecost, it was from Jerusalem the gospel was to go to the ends of the earth. We need to begin to rethink the scriptures. We gather on a Sunday to celebrate Christ for Mark and the elders to envision us and equip us. Monday to Saturday, we go out into the city and we take that life and that light and the truth and we let it shine. We need to, from that point of view, I was reflecting on the very last time Jesus entered Jerusalem before his trial, before his crucifixion. And it says this, in Matthew 21, verse 10, 
It says, as Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was moved. The whole city was moved. And they said, who is this? Amplified Version says the whole city was trembling with excitement. The message translation says the city was shaken, unnerved, and people were asking, who is this? The passion, I love it, it says the people went wild with excitement. I want to say to you, I believe Jesus wants to come again to each and every city in the world to move it, to shake it again. Because His heart is for people. His heart is for each and every individual in the city. Now, you might say, well, we live in mega cities. We've just been in Bangkok and Phnom Penh, millions and millions of people. God is at work. God is at work. I remember prayer walking in Phnom Penh and thinking, God, where are the churches? There's no visible sign of any church whatsoever. We were walking in a suburb, and I noticed on a, on a gate, Franklin Crusade, etc., etc. It happened about a month ago, and I, surely I stopped to. We started praying, and a, and a young man came out from the gate who happened to be one of the pastors that were coordinating the crusade. And we started chatting with them, and then we said, but there's not one visible church where we've walked for kilometers. He said, Wally, there's over 300 churches that work together, and there were hundreds, thousands that, that came to faith in Jesus. And we had such a moment thinking, wow, Lord, even though the church is not visible, it is very much alive and well. Can I say, as you and I, as the saints, begin to rise up and live out the life that He's given to us. Four brief points of, of conversation afterwards. How do we bring, bring His life, transformation to a city? First thing is your own personal Christ-like transformation as a catalyst to city transformation. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. And we with all unveiled faces reflect, so, uh, contemplate the Lord's glory. In other words, His nature, His character, His attributes are being transformed into His image. See, so often, so often, we just want to be a better version of ourselves. It's not that. It's not about self-image. It's about His image we call to reflect. And it says we are being transferred with ever-increasing glory which comes by His Spirit. We need to allow the Holy Spirit to address the rough areas in our lives, the unchrist-like areas that would block His life flowing through us to others. And we need to repent of them. We need to be honest with them. We need to look in the Scriptures. What does the Bible say about it? What does Jesus say about it? As we submit ourselves and He removes them, there's more of Him that can shine through us out to others. I want to say your own personal ongoing transformation. It's been 45, 46 years ago that I said yes to Jesus. There's still a lot of scaffolding on my life. He's not finished with me in our thought life, in our attitude life, in our actions, in our responses that are not like Jesus, I've got to say, Lord, help me because I don't want that to be a block to your life flowing through me to others. Rigby Wallace, a friend once, he actually made this statement he preached many years ago at Life Changes. He said, 
my greatest fear in life is next year, this time, to be the same. That there's not more of Jesus next year at this point in my life. It was a sobering thought, but a real thought. Can I say we cannot bring transformation into the city, into our areas of influence, if we're not allowing His Holy Spirit to transform us on a daily basis. The greatest compliment you can ever get from anybody is not, gee, that's a great t-shirt, great haircut, great glasses, great whatever. whatever. No, no, wow, you look different. What's happening? It's more of Jesus shining out of your life. That brings transformation. The second thought is how do we bring city transformation with his life is look through the eyes of faith at your city, your suburb, not at the facts. Through the eyes of faith. Hebrews 11.10 says, Abram of Abram, he lived in tents all his life, but his eyes of faith were set on a city with unshakable foundations whose architect and builder was God. Can I say what we see in the natural, we mustn't let it set us on the back foot because his life belongs in brokenness. His life belongs where there's darkness. His life belongs where there's despair and discouragement, defeat, depression, etc. That's where you and I become conduits of His life. Can I say to you, it's through faith that we do that. How do you see your suburb? When I reflect on Jonah, who God called to bring revival to the city of Nineveh, he saw Nineveh and he looked and he says, it's godless, it's wicked, it's evil. That's how he viewed it. But God says, no, you can read in Jonah chapter 1, verse 2. He said, God said, no, but it's a great city. See how different God viewed it and what Jonah viewed it as. I want to see, do you see Cape Town, your suburb of Sunningdale, Parklands, wherever you are, as a great suburb that God has great plans and purposes for? We need to have faith arise in our heart. Wow, there were 120,000 people that God wanted to touch. Can I say, let what you hear that may be negative convert it to prayer for it, coupled together with action. When we were in Phnom Penh, there was such a cool story, and we actually went to, there was a, a ministry form that was reaching out to the prostitutes in Phnom Penh. And you know, it's one thing to condemn and to judge, but we've got to reach out to broken, hurting people. And a number of them came to faith. And this lady that started this ministry thought, well, what do I do now? They've come to Jesus. And the Lord laid on her heart to open a coffee bar called Jars of Clay, where she trained them how to make cakes and serve coffee and clean, etc., management skills, etc. And we actually went to that coffee shop and we sat and we had coffee. But ladies that used to be ladies of the night, but they've got their dignity and they've been restored because somebody saw beyond their brokenness and said, I want to do something about it. And there's people all around that are broken through divorce and through depression and he's waiting for his life to flow through you to them to see change. The third thought is have a growing love and concern for your city. Have a growing love and concern. Cape Town, when we lived here, it wasn't just, wasn't just a city where I live. No, no, it's my city. What happens in my city matters to me because it's in my heart. 
as life changes in your heart. This is my church. No, it's my suburb, my city. We need to do something about it. When Jesus looked at Jerusalem, he didn't go, Ksh. he wept, the Bible said. Do the thing, does, is there great love in your heart for the least, the lowest, the insignificant, as well as the influential in the city of Cape Town? We need to be able to say, Lord, I love Cape Town and every person in it. And I want my love to be demonstrated. And it's interesting, every miracle of Jesus, you look in the Gospels, preceded by he was moved with compassion. We need to have a love for the city if we're going to see revival. It's interesting, Peter in Acts chapter 2 preached a great sermon on Pentecost. 3,000 got saved. It's wonderful, 3,000. But did you know how the balance of the city of Jerusalem came to faith. Through the miracle of the crippled man at the gate, beautiful, a despised, rejected, forsaken, left to the side, beggar who received a miracle when Peter and John went past and allowed the life of God to flow through them, touched his life so profoundly that he became a walking, talking miracle. You might say, well, well, what's chapter and verse? In Acts chapter 4, verse 16, when Peter and John were called to an account before the religious Sanhedrin about this miracle they performed, they said this profound statement. They said to them, everyone living in Jerusalem knows they've performed a notable miracle and we cannot deny it. God used Peter for 3,000 and then he used an insignificant beggar for the balance. See, God wants to use the despised, the weak, the frail, the f everything else to touch people. So it's not a matter of what do you have. It's, it's who lives in you and the life to flow through you. Your neighborhoods, get involved in civic affairs. It's through that you can influence people. I want to say we need to, I want to commend you for your serving. Um, I met a, a guy, John, I think his name was, who made me a coffee when I came. I think it's John or Mike. Mike, Mike. I've met a few folk this morning, all new folk. Mike. I said, Mike, how long have you been here? He says, four months. I thought, that is so cool. He's involved serving. It's brilliant. But can I say to you, don't stop serving Monday through to Saturday. Serve your city. Love your people. They're your people. They ought to be. I, when I look at a person that's outside, I say, I'm going to love you to Jesus. And I see you part of this family. We need to have faith for them. The fourth and final point is for us to see city transformation is to work with like-hearted and minded people. Whether it's other churches, NGOs, NPOs, whatever O's, just work with them that have got a heart for the city. Can I say to you the prayer of Jesus for unity? We can work together with others, even though they might think different, look different, do things different. If their heart is for the king and the kingdom, you can work together with them. They want to serve people. We can do something together because our diversity reflects who God is. Can I say, I believe unity is going to be a massive key of reaching cities with the gospel and for the kingdom. And God does a work in us, through us, and when you work with others that are different to you. If you think of the city of Jerusalem, just reflecting when God chose Nehemiah 
to rebuild that city. It's interesting, he used an ungodly Persian king called Artaxerxes for authority to go, raw materials, etc. And sometimes God uses unbelievers to help in some form or fashion establish his kingdom. God's given each and every one of you skills, abilities, gifts, talents. He wants you to use them in extending his kingdom. I want to say to you as concluding, I know there was the recycle swap shop. I'm trusting, I don't know if it's still going, but how that influenced communities, helped plant churches. Bloberg School, where Gabe and Tyler and others were working, that was pioneered by, by Graham Powell, who is a very clever IT guy, and he started teaching robotics to the students there. It was a school everybody kept at a distance because it wasn't one of the upper-class schools. But we made great inroads there. Another guy that had a WellPoint business, uh, sunk a, a WellPoint to water their sports fields. And in serving, we got great inroads in. Can I say serving the city is a key? We're in Durban at the moment, and there's, we got involved with a number of churches that, that we were about a month before we went abroad, is they've got clothes bank. Now, Edgar's, Woolworth's, big, big stores give surplus clothes and clothes they can't sell to this bank. It's, it's not a Christian company, but there's Christians that work there. Christians that work there. And what happens is they put out the word for those that want to start their own business and they give them skills on how to do budgets, how to sell, etc., etc. And then they buy a bag of clothes for 50 rand. Then they go sell it in their communities and they can make up to 500, 800 rand. Then they come back and they buy another bag for 50 rand and then they go sell it again. But on the journey, they've been coached and mentored on how to manage money and then social skills, ethical skills, and then the gospel. And you see numbers of them coming to faith. It was so exciting. We were there. And it was brilliant. We just celebrated how God was using. Now they're also doing repairs of small appliances. Because skills upliftment is such a need. Can I say that in the house there is just so much where we can help. In the city of Howick, pastors are gathering together dreaming. How can we change our city? I want to say God wants you to dream again how to see the city of Cape Town, its suburbs, changed. I want, you to, I want to close. I, I know there was the Red Week that Life Changes did, and, and I, they still do it again, which is wonderful. And, and Gabe and all Mark and all the guys were just, we were in hospitals, we were in police, we were all over the place. Imagine a church not having a Red Week once a year, but living a red lifestyle. Imagine that. Everybody, every day, doing a little bit that can make a difference in one person's life, and that one leads to many. That one leads to many. I want to pray as we close. My time is up. And I want to pray for you that Jesus becomes more real, that he would burn in your hearts with greater passion and fervor for those that are on the outside, that they could come inside, find family, find life, find home, and then go out again. Jesus, this morning, thank you for each and every person here. Jesus, I pray that there would be an increased revelation of who you are, that would bring personal transformation, that would allow your life to flow through them in ever-increasing measure and way. Lord, I ask you that there would be an increase of faith as we fix our eyes on you, Jesus.
growing love 